Hello, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of Startup from Scratch. Um, this is Myrna. And I'm Kennedy. And we are so excited to be here. Um, if you haven't listened to our intro episode already, please go ahead and listen to it because we'll be referencing a lot of things today that we explain in that little 15-minute intro about us. Uh, but today we have Elle, who happens to be Kennedy's fiance, uh, to talk to us about ideation or idea generation. Uh, if you're an aspiring entrepreneur, how do you pick what you work on? How do you assess if it's a good business opportunity? So we'll cover all of that today as we dive into Elle's journey through the ideation process. And we'll talk about Money Mail, the really, really cool tool he's launched for content creators to make money online. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for full disclosure, uh, L Baker is here with us. He's also my fiance, which means that I've had this incredible front row seat to get to see this process of ideation. Uh, for those of you who don't already know L, he is this phenomenally creative person uh, who also has this really great technical understanding of um, really the financial services space, whether that's in traditional financial markets or looking into the cryptocurrency space. Uh, one of the things that for me has been really cool to watch with the ideation process is actually just what that looks like itself. Uh, my own history of how I came into banting was a little bit different uh, and probably didn't include quite the same type of freewheeling, uh, wide open spaces start that he got to have. So I'm super excited to, to get to have him on the show today and to share his process and his experience with us in uh, what has now become a, a very cool project called Money Mail. So without further ado, uh, El, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, hey. <laughs> uh, su super excited to be on the podcast. Uh, and in a similar fashion, it's been really cool um, watching the, the podcast come together. Um, the uh, yeah, so so I'm, I'm one of the founders of Money Mail. Um, been working on Money Mail for a few months now, and was lucky enough to kind of recruit an early team to explore an idea around how do we connect uh, internet workers with internet money, and starting specifically with uh, live streamers. Um, today, people do a lot of things online, and they really suck at getting paid at it. Um, and so uh, we're trying to help with that. That's super cool. So, you know, you say that you've been working on this for the last few months. Where did what really got you started thinking into this space of uh, monetization for live streamers? Yeah, so um, a little bit based off of kind of my problem space as well. Um, so I uh, accidentally built a, a modest following on Twitter. And uh, throughout that time, I, I've spent a lot of time uh, producing a lot of content online, um, tweets, uh, medium posts, um, uh, long, long tweet strings, uh, occasionally podcasts. And uh, in, in the context of kind of my background and where I came from, um, I've been uh, in and around the, the cryptocurrency and finance space for a while. Um, and a lot of the things we think a lot about in the crypto space is incentives um, and why would somebody do something. Um, and, uh, looking at like the internet broadly, um, there's a lot of very interesting narratives, especially when you look at like the arc and like the 10, 20, 30 year timeframes. Um, the internet was like super, super powerful. Um, and, and the, and the narrative is effectively this, um, the, the internet 
first uh, was loosely connecting uh, computers around the world um, where you could pass around information. And there was an actual phone book um, for people to um, connect to other computers. <laughs> um, and, and like basically there was an internet phone book of how to do that. And that was super powerful, but it was really for only like technical people only. Um, and then we got uh, uh, Netscape uh, and the browser. And the browser like said for the first time, like, hey, let's connect up um, uh, non, non, non-tech technical people um, to get on the internet. And for the first time, you could kind of browse the internet. And like uh, it started allowing for like this mass dissemination of information. Um, uh, then we got Google to help index to find all this information. Um, uh, and then uh, after that, we got uh, social media. Um, and, and social media was uh, essentially user-generated information. And um, looking at like how we got there and, and what we first thought the internet was good at versus what it's what we look at what it's good at today, um, they're starkly different. Um, specifically, uh, when the internet came out, everyone was like, oh, this is amazing. Let's put all the libraries online and let's put uh, New York Times and uh, newspapers online. And we did. Uh, we started uploading as many things as possible um, and, and we put most of the libraries online. Um, but the real value of the internet um, uh, was not really found until we realized it's not necessarily the dissemination of information that already exists. It's the capacity of the internet to disseminate anyone's information um, and, 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 and basically user-generated content. And so if you look at the creator space, uh, they are squarely in that, in that role of providing value to the internet, um, value to Facebook and the followers on Facebook to get uh, whatever sort of content they're, they're providing, um, uh, 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 value on YouTube to see uh, maybe a, a beauty uh, streamer vlog of like how to do your makeup um, or uh, a TikTok video, which is a combination of entertainment and, and maybe, you know, learn a new dance. Um, all of these people are providing value to the internet, um, but the reality is the entire monetization of that value are the platforms and not the creators. And so at MoneyMail, we're trying to flip that um, and, 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 uh, and flip it to where the creators can start to control the narrative again by controlling the money. Um, and so uh, specifically what we're doing is we're trying to provide cross-platform payment solutions. Um, and so I guess back to your question of, of how I kind of arrived at that, um, to kind of reaffirm it, 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 it was trying to look at the narratives of what the internet did and what were its flaws. Um, the, the, the inflection point we have today is everyone is at home uh, working. Um, everyone probably has a primary job, um, but very similar to 2008, 2009, um, they're starting to look for a second job and a second income stream. In 2008 and 2009, that was the spare bedroom in Airbnb or your car um, and Uber. Um, today, that second job is and will be online. Um, and so looking at the narratives of what happened, what has happened with the internet and user-generated content combined with this inflection point to where everyone is looking for jobs online, um, there's a clear opportunity to um, a slide in um, a solution to help creators kind of flip the script and get paid. Can you describe... So for I've I've seen Money Mail in action uh, and it's really really cool. Uh, but for everyone listening, could you describe what Money Mail looks like or how you would be able to use it? Sure. Uh, so as a creator, um, uh, most people tend to stream on on not one but multiple platforms. Um, and so what 
what Money Mail does for you is it is it adds in um, when appropriately timed um, QR codes in stream for your viewers to scan uh, with their phones um, uh, and uh, be able to pay you via Venmo, PayPal, or Square Cash, or even with Apple Pay. Um, and and so uh, uh, what that looks like to your viewers is. Um, uh, <laughs> You have a little box in the upper right hand corner of your your video stream, maybe at the end of a yoga class um, or the beginning of a live show um, that says um, uh, scan to tip or scan to donate um, and giving basically giving your viewers opportunities to uh, to pay you when they've received value. Um, looking at the streaming space, there's a lot of different flavors. Um, uh, there's like closed access granted, um, and then there's, uh, open available to everybody in the context of open and available to everybody. Um, the, the, the monetization strategy, um, really is effectively optional tipping or op optional donations. Um, and so you see this in the gamer space, um, but these are kind of like super complicated platforms, not really uh, good for retrofitting to, to normal viewers. And so in the context of, of you're watching maybe a DJ um, on a Friday night, uh, which a lot of people have been doing on Zoom or, or these other platforms, um, the viewers are, are not necessarily watching these on their phone anymore. They're, they're putting it up on their TV or their laptop, um, a, a bigger screen because they're really watching the show. Mm -hmm. um, and the same is true for, for yoga. And so if you, if you visualize yourself looking at that TV, um, uh, you know, as a DJ, I can be going through my set and, uh, you know, uh, I can pause or I can, I can, I can throughout the time frame say, Hey, um, Hey guys, remember this is a, this is a donation or tip only, um, uh, uh, uh live DJ set. Um, you know, all your, all your, all your tips, uh, appreciated. And so the, uh, the viewers, um, all they have to do is actually just pull up their phone's camera, um, both, uh, iPhones and Android Android devices can scan QR codes without an app. You don't, you don't need an app. You just need your phone camera. Uh, and it brings you to a web page to pay. Um, and so it's super simple. Um, no logins, no passwords, just pay. Um, and I think that's pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. uh, so I know you have been thinking about the idea of um, money and um, crypto for some time. Um, did money mail kind of, um, and I know you've mentioned Twitter as a means of like um, thinking out loud with people and letting kind of ideas simmer over time. Um, do you feel like money mail came about more because the coronavirus or do you feel like you were on a path to discover money mail, even if the coronavirus kind of hadn't um, made it maybe like a, a really obvious answer to monetize for content creators right now? Yeah, definitely influenced by my own experience. Um, uh, started going towards uh, uh, tons of video streams in on deck, um, where we're doing live sessions with one-on-ones uh, -on with people, to group ones, to uh, uh, to connecting with all of my friends, you know, in anywhere in America. Um, we all went. We all went to um, uh, uh, live streams pretty quickly, um, and um, you know. Looking, I, I was already ideating a lot of these ideas uh, generally of like, you know, where can crypto finally fit into the Internet? Um, and we've spent 10 years of like basically getting all the tools together, making usability um, a lot better and, and 
preparing for its moment. Um, and uh, for me, it felt like we, we happened to have these two things all come together at once. And so um, the idea specifically of Money Mail was I, I was I was trying to figure out how to get mass distribution. Um, and I was looking at uh, the border problem with money on the Internet. Um, there's two border problems. One is geographic in nature, um, like cross from U.S. to Mexico or U.S. to China. It's like a regulatory slash geographic border. Um, and the second border that most people don't talk about are app borders. Um, so app, app borders and tech companies are effectively governments of the Internet and uh, their users are their citizens and their willingness to allow people to interact with their citizens or maybe uh, uh, immigrate into their system uh, really depends on uh, their competitive um, stance on how open they should be. And so maybe they have APIs, maybe they have widgets, um, or in the context of a platform like Instagram, um, you have the link in profile problem. And so with Instagram, the, the problem is um, you can't put a link in a, inside of a post because uh, Instagram wants to get paid if you're going to sell something in a post. And so what everybody does is they put a link in their profile and their entire startups around um, creating dynamic links in profile. And so mm-hmm. looking at that, uh, I realized that I needed to be able to penetrate all the app borders. Um, and uh, the very obvious solution for that for me at the time was uh, get access to the video before it makes it to the platform. Um, and so Money Mail can penetrate all of these borders of all of these apps with no integration uh, and, and frankly not asking for permission. Um, and so uh, that ideation, that last leg of that ideation was a pen and paper um, on a notepad on a Tuesday morning um, of how I finally, like it finally all clicked together. Um, and once I realized that, I just started drawing a whole lot and, and, and writing it all out. It went from uh, previously I had been in, you know, this long form, you know, 20, 30 page Google Doc where I was like laying out ideas and where it's going and the different ways to kind of address um, the space connecting the Internet money with the Internet workers. Um, and but that final like idea was just drawing things um, and it kind of went from there to. Uh, a notion workspace and like this collaborative spot where I can start to share with people and be more visual besides just a notepad. You mentioned kind of all the pieces coming together. And uh, one, one of the things that I've always thought is kind of interesting about the concept of ideating is that we tend to talk about ideas more like they're plants. You know, we, we act like you put this seed in the ground and it, it sprouts up and then it matures and grows into something. But I, I think that might be true maybe for a specific idea, but to me that really has more to do with maturation of something. And I think that when it comes to these broader things where you're putting all these pieces together, it's exactly that. It's pieces that get put together almost like a jigsaw puzzle, where it's like you've seen this part over here that turns out to be this this critical corner edge piece of your puzzle, right? Um, and so some of the puzzle pieces uh, under this analogy that, that you've talked about to me would be uh, for example, aligning incentives, right? And understanding how incentive alignment works within both a uh, financial sense, but also within a product sense and how people want to use products. Another one that I, I kind of hear within that narrative is this idea of uh, bringing, bringing uh, workers to the internet, right? Or how do you help internet workers get paid and that, that piece and that vision of where that disconnect is. One of the things that I think is most fascinating to me is something that uh, Elle and I have talked about in the past, which is in the cryptocurrency space, there's questions of how do you manage this interface between what happens in the real world 
and to acknowledge that digitally in a high fidelity way. And I think what's so interesting to me is that here, this is a very interesting opportunity where it is the real world coming to the internet in a way that it hasn't before. And I say that in the sense that previously people who got paid for work on the internet were doing digital work. Today, a lot of what you're talking about is uh, people getting paid on the internet for doing work that is still occurring in a, in a tangible world, but being detected through uh, cameras and microphones to make it the digital world. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious kind of what your thoughts are on, on how that all fits together. Yeah, so I tend to think internet money is best for things that are of the internet, um, things that only exist on the internet, um, uh, like uh, um, uh, I like today I'm sitting in this room and I exist as a person here. Um, but I also have a Twitter avatar, um, and that Twitter avatar is produced by me, but it is, it is of the internet. It has, it has a specific profile photo. It has a handle, um, it has its own identity. And, um, uh, I tend to think internet money is best for things that exist on the internet, almost of themselves. Um, uh, with that being said, I think that's where they would get the most, uh, long-term growth. Um, that being said, we, we, we also have like this like event where we have this symbiosis of like um, all of this stuff that was we always thought would only be all offline um, is now online. Um, and that that does a little bit flip this, this switch of like, you know, what I uh, thought was possible in, in a specific time frame. Maybe it, it probably accelerated the Internet by five, 10 years. Um, and uh, that's incredibly interesting. Um, for, for the same reason that like newspapers exist online um, and you have things like uh, even things like uh, medium and like publications where anybody can be a journalist effectively. Um, and the same thing is kind of happening with these offline entertainment um, things uh, 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 that's of like DJ sets um, uh, virtually. Um, and if you were to say that random people would watch, you know, 12 hour sets fundraiser, um, on a Saturday, you know, 3 PM to, you know, 3 AM, um, pre, um, pre COVID. Uh, I think most people would say that would get like no traction and not a lot of people would watch that. Um, uh, or, or only like, you know, deep internet people would watch that. Um, uh, that it's life is just different now. And so I think we're going to continue to see that post COVID. Um, and so, uh, those offline entertainment, um, uh, are coming online. Um, how, however, the, just because they're online, that doesn't, uh, uh, mean that they will succeed online. Um, the success of online is first the user generated content, um, combined with the social connection. Um, so a lot of, this is how, this is why people get Twitter wrong, right? People get Twitter wrong because they think they can just talk to the internet and the internet will listen. Um, but in reality, they need to be talking to a specific community, um, because the community will listen. And so, um, they, they need to figure out who they're talking to first, um, and build that connection. Just like, just like you network when you go to, um, a networking event, or just like you go to a bar and meet new people. Um, you got to do the same thing for your user generated content online. You got to get out there and go meet new people. Um, uh, and, and so looking at this offline content, um, 
just putting it out there to the ether is like yelling in a hallway. Um, you have to, you have to go the next step and, uh, go make new friends, um, and recognize these are probably only internet friends, um, new age pen pals. Right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, yeah I'll pause there. <laughs> no, I mean, I've, uh, that's definitely something I've been talking to Kennedy about. So, uh, I'm not one to be very active on social media for my own private life. Like I, my personal account, I think the last time I posted was like months ago. Um, but ever since we started podcast, I've been really trying to, um, kind of dig into that social media world and explore it a little bit more. Um, and I think it's exactly, exactly what you just said. You have to go out there and make new friends and, uh, it's very uncomfortable at first, but it's also very empowering when a random stranger that you've never spoken to before and are probably never going to meet from across the world yeah. is like supporting what you're doing and building. Um, and yeah. it's been something that's been a favorite part of my day um, so far. Yeah, it's we have this really cool tool to, to meet people in the corners of the Internet. And uh, that's my favorite thing about Twitter is like all of these friends of people or I've I've either I've reached out to in a Twitter DM or they reached out to me to ask for help um, from India to Nepal to uh, Thailand to, you know, uh, South America. Like you'd be amazed if like there's some really incredible people that you'd be friends with otherwise. Um, uh, and, you know, you just have to get out there and go find them. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the same, the same way you make friends in life is, is really the same way you make friends with them, common interests, common values. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it is vulnerable because, uh, the difference between, um, in real life friends, um, you don't see yourself doing it and it's not recorded. It doesn't live there in permanence while uh, making friends on the internet is uh, you see it. Um, and so you're basically like, you're like, you self-criticize the seeing it uh, when you're just, you know, doing your thing and you're being your, yourself with your friends or at a bar, you don't see yourself doing that. If, if every bit of that was recorded, I think people would have the same reaction. Um, uh, and, and it like existed forever. Every, like if you always went to that bar, you always saw what you did 17 times there before. Um, I think that would be very, um, uh, abrupt, stark, uncomfortable. Uh, but that's kind of what the internet is. Uh, you, you've been to that bar a whole lot. Um, and if, if you search around and know where to look, you can see where you've been and all the conversations you've had. Um, and you probably would be critical of like one time you were there. Um, you kind of just have to, recognize like this is me um i'm okay seeing how i how i exist online um and uh i guess this don't look at yourself in the mirror look at everybody else uh, the same is true for the stuff you create <laughs> online don't don't look yes. at yourself in the mirror look at everybody else um yeah totally uh yeah. It's, it's definitely an, an interesting world of its own um but i wanted to ask you so you've been saying um, money mail, you know, you had this like 20, 30 page doc, and then you started drawing things out, talking to people. Um, how long was that process? Um, I know that crypto and, uh, money have been, you know, something that you've been thinking about for a very, very long time. So maybe like share that background with us. Um, I think sometimes it's really helpful to listen to someone else's journey 
And um, I think at least for me, it helps me think about like, what are some aspects of my life that I've been thinking about for a really, really long time? And how can I turn those into a business? Because sometimes the things we think about and read a lot about and talk about, uh, we never could imagine turning into a business or like our life's work. But um, oftentimes it's kind of like something that I think you've referenced in a conversation I've had with you before, which is um, Eric Tornberg. Um, what were you born to solve or something, something like that? I don't quote me on that, but yeah. Yeah. What what are you only, what are you uniquely only capable of solving? Um, uh, You know, for, for the, the, the doc and, and the 20, 30 page doc, I started creating those at my last company, um, TokenSoft, um, where I was head of operations um, because I realized I had a lot of uh, uh, ideas that, to most people seemed super out there. Um, I, I personally felt like I was connecting dots that were non-obvious um, for new and creative ways of to interact with money and like finance. Um, and at, I, not everybody's going to connect those dots, um, especially if just in, in, in a conversation in an audio form. And so I started creating those documents to basically help people get on the same page as me. Um, uh, uh, and, and to be able to understand like, because my, um, uh, the, people don't think in a linear fashion. Um, and, but the, the best, the best way we have to put things out today, uh, really is kind of linear. Like that's what a document is. It starts from the top and goes from left to right and to the bottom. Um, and it, interestingly, Rome, uh, is it Rome research, right? Yeah. They're, they're basically trying to solve this because our minds are kind of like this, these weird little maps that kind of go in 27 directions and connect in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, I put it out there to allow for people to understand what I was talking about and to be able to give someone some information to review before I then connected all the dots in, in, in a conversation or told them where it goes from there. Um, and to give them a spot to give feedback asynchronously. So like they can read it and ask questions before the meeting and we can have this whole pre-meeting conversation that is way better use of our time and allows for us to get the small stuff knocked out before we get to the hard stuff in, in the meeting. Um, and so that was the original reason of why I did that. Um, in the context of how long it took, like actually not that long, um, like a day or two. Um, uh, that's a function of like, do you know your space well enough? Like you just have to, da- you just have to dump all the data and try to have it kind of sort of organized um, uh, for the initial like length of it. And then it just kind of grew from there. Like, People were talking in it. I was ta- I was talking to it. People were adding to it. I was adding to it. Um, uh, uh, but I, I just started to create a framework to, to have a discussion. Um, uh, uh, and so, yeah, that was that was the original purpose for you know asynchronous communication um, was was kind of the idea. Uh, but it also helped me formalize um, uh, a little bit of the story, I think, as well. I've always made my notes for ideating really more selfishly of making my own notation. And I think it's a really interesting concept of using that as a way to onboard others to the thought process. What, what do you think is kind of the role of a shared space for that collaboration? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. So uh, many early people who say they want to start something have this idea, may or may not have documented it, and they want to like get people to sign an NDA, um, which is a great sign that they don't know what they're doing. For the love of God, don't <laughs> yeah. ask for NDAs to talk about your startup. 
Um, and uh, the shared document is like the full realization of that principle. Um, uh, ideas are a dime a dozen. Execution is where you win. Um, and so uh, I fully expect uh, if Money Mail has even an inkling of success to have lots of copycats. Um, and, and, uh, and so that's okay. Um, uh, so long as like, they, if you understand, if you can out nuance them in why you do the things you do, um, then they'll never know why you did them and, and they'll implement them incorrectly. Agreed. And so in the context of the document, um, uh, you know, I, I see this in on deck actually a little bit. Um, people, uh, uh, sometimes people can be very afraid because that again, is that they feel like that document is a reflection of them. Um, they associate their value with, uh, how well that document looks like they in their head think it should be this beautiful 200 page business plan. Um, and, uh, the reality is that first document was like, uh, it, it, it was, uh, it was sequential and it was, you could follow it, but it was a data dump. Uh, but it was enough of a structured data dump to allow for a conversation to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I, I shared it um, probably maybe more than I should have. I shared it with every person who got on the phone with me. Um, and the ones who cared asked questions and followed up. Um, and uh, uh, those are people that I still continue to get feedback from. Um, and so, but, but sharing it uh, was in the same way that for the same reason that like I'm trying to create a mutual connection um, with people online and make friends. Um, the shared document is I'm looking for idea friends. Uh, I'm looking for people to help uh, have a discussion with me around um, an idea space. Um, Google Docs is like amazing at that. Um, uh, there are a lot of startups trying to like iterate on that notion and things like that. And I love notion as well. Um, but like Google Docs, when I first started unlocking the power of it, um, it really came down to this shared idea, idea space. And I think that's, uh, it is vulnerable, but um, if you want to have a real discussion uh, and get the goods and the, the, the pros and the cons and allow for people to do deep think around your idea, that's not going to happen in an hour phone call. Um, and so uh, giving them stuff to, to read and then uh, ask questions and comment on um, can allow for uh, an hour conversation to be um, just to have so many other places it can go. Um, frankly, probably in a, in a, in a slower, you know, uh, less time frame. Yeah. So one of the, one of the things with having copycats, right. And, and what is the difference then? So, so part of what I'm hearing in that is if you do it right, there's probably a lot of copycats. And I think that's true for a lot of great ideas. And it's certainly true each time we see something that's truly innovative, there's going to be you know, the pirates that are going to try to come in and outdo it. And then what I think it really comes down to is then this distinction between what is your idea and what is the strategic insight that makes you the best to build that idea. Mm. Um, And so I think maybe that's part of what people need to understand the distinction of is that it's not about being afraid to share your idea, but maybe being mindful of how you disclose the strategic insights. Um, do you sure. think there's a distinction there or is that yeah, something that you shouldn't yeah. really parse too much? Uh, yeah. I mean, so uh, <laughs> I tell people money mail is a movement, not a product. Um, and we are flipping the tables to give creators um, the power over their money um, and their content. Um, and uh, you got to understand that to understand why you do and what you, you know, and how you do it. Um, uh, it's very, it's, it's not that complicated you know, to put a QR code in stream, 
um, uh, it becomes much more complicated when you think about like, you know, uh, how could uh, cryptocurrency or stable coins be involved in this and how do they interact? Um, and there definitely could be some secret sauce there that would be harder to replicate. Um, um, but, it, but again, it really comes down to, you have to understand um, the, the nuance of your people. Um, uh, it's kind of like, think of it like an inside joke. Um, uh, if you're really good at your, uh, job and your company, um, you're really great at telling your customers inside jokes. Um, and people who are just copycatting and, and don't understand the problem well enough will always miss the inside joke. Um, and, uh, that is evident in what they create. Um, so the openness is the inside joke is hilarious because it is open and not everyone gets it. Um, so yeah. Rawson, in my mind, you are the father of metaphors and analogies. FYI. <laughs> <laughs> I think you do such a good job of always coming up with the perfect one for whatever it is that you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I just came up with that one. I think it makes sense. <laughs> it does. It does. But I actually think about this a lot too. Uh I think when I was ideating um, you know, eight, nine months ago, I was like, wow. I don't want to share this with anyone. I think I've come up with like the fix for X problem. And um, truth is, even if you told someone, you know, exactly what I was building and you had the two of us run with the same exact solution, um, the product would be two completely different companies. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of, I think, um, you know, if anyone's worried about someone stealing their idea or doing the same thing, um, I think you are so unique to whatever it is that you're building and your vision and who you are can't be replicated. And, um, I, I always find comfort in that. I, I hope you tweet that father of, of metaphors or whatever. <laughs> should be the episode title. <laughs> or I'm just going to change. I'm going to change my name again. Your, your I'm no Twitter. longer L. I'm just going to be the father of metaphors. <laughs> Or it can be L, middle name, father of metaphors, one word. word. <laughs> but you have to say it really fast. He's going to start insisting I call him only by his full name, his full name being L, father of metaphors, Baker. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to witness that. So I actually know something that I, I, I've been curious about. Um, within the entrepreneur community, there's usually uh, a lot of discussion about the timing of ideas. And, and even more often than that, the conversation tends to focus on the question of, is it too soon for your idea? And I think it's really interesting because like we were speaking about earlier with the pandemic, it is extremely timely within the context of, of what you're building. And so I'm, I'm actually just on a personal level, a little bit curious uh, what that feels like in terms of dealing with timing pressure. Um, you know, you don't have to worry about, is it too soon? But then what kind of other stress or concerns does it create to know that everything is so perfectly timed? Um, yeah, so there's something really interesting about startups, uh, specifically the cadence of startups. Um, uh, internally and externally, um, it's very important to uh, like feel the pulse of your, your, your company and your idea. Um, uh, Money Mail's uh, uh, internal cadence really started to pick up after we won the... Uh, Money Mail, not the Money Mail, the On Deck Hackathon um, a month or so ago. Um, uh, the, the external validation um, was really good for, uh, I guess, external perception and cadence like, oh, this team was onto something in a specific moment of time, the hackathon. 
um, in the context of the team, um, I had been talking with a few people for a, f- a few weeks about the idea, um, but it, it was missing this internal buy-in. And that Monday morning, we were having our we were having a celebratory uh, brunch because one of the guys couldn't make it to the competition. And ten minutes in, it, it went from uh, celebration to uh, what next? Um, let's launch a website. Let's do user interviews, um, et cetera, et cetera. And that really helped um, uh, uh, really set the cadence for the team internally. Um, and uh, kind of going from there, um, you know, part of you know my role um, in trying to help the drive drive the team is making sure that I always can like feel um, feel that pulse and that cadence. Um, and so uh, I, you know, as the weeks grew on for on deck, um, it was very clear that I needed to to have um, give money mail a beat. Um, and so we started doing like weekly drops where we would drop something new, um, either on the on deck community, like the referral filters to the leaderboard in on deck. Um, or, uh, the week after that, we, the drop we did was, uh, integrating Apple pay and stable coins, um, for the pitch competition last weekend. Um, and, and so that was really important to like help set the cadence of the internal team. Um, and, and frankly, that's like, that's what keeps people excited about what they do. Um, and that's, that's how you do, if you think about it, that's how you, that's how you convert idea, uh, idea, idea conversations to, uh, let's start a company together conversations, which we're having those conversations right now. Um, and so that internal cadence was super important, um, to, to make sure we had a beat. Um, and, and the same is true with the, the external cadence. Um, you know, I think. Money mail is positioned well, very well coming out of this is the last week of on deck. Um, we we won the hackathon. Um, we were ranked in the top five for the pitch competition last weekend. So uh, along with Kennedy and Banting, are, are one of the five uh, startups that are going to be presenting or pitching in the uh, on deck wrap up this weekend. Um, uh, that that allows for uh, the external buy-in as well. Um, there's there's definitely a buzz um, that we've created in on deck for money mail, um, and uh, that's like this social conversation of like uh, um, continued excitement or lore or um, uh, you know something new. It is it is entertainment in and of itself, um, and so. Um, yeah, I don't remember why I was answering that question, but <laughs> I think that cadence is important for startups internally and externally. I think uh, you know part part of what so thinking about that aspect of building buzz within the on deck community, right, and using that as a way to it's almost your own sort of early stage product market fit of of seeing uh, in a highly engaged community how do you build that that sense and then how do you extrapolate that out to other communities. And it makes me think a little bit about the fact that historically Silicon Valley has been a place where people go to start companies because there's a culture for it. And that's where they feel like it's comfortable to exercise that ambition. And it feels relatively safe to fail um, and, and not have that feel like a personal reflection. I'm wondering, did you do you feel like there was a difference to go from ideating within yourself and even within the Silicon Valley area to then suddenly ideating within this niche community of high intent ideating uh, individuals that are all kind of looking to really accelerate in that way? 
Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the one-on-one conversations I was having before the hackathon were fine. Didn't, you know, didn't think twice about those was super confident. Um, the first like six hours of the hackathon, uh, I was like totally like imposter syndrome. Like, why, how did I accidentally recruit all these amazing people to work on this idea? Um, you know, I had made pretty good progress, made the first filters before that day. Um, and, you know, recruited some other people, um, uh, uh, via Twitter outside of that. Um, you know, that, uh, it, it was very vulnerable because I tried to leave the beginning of the conversation super open. And I was like, Hey guys, like I have an idea, but we can work on any idea. Um, and, uh, the team actually ideated a lot of different directions, um, of how to solve for in and around creators. And, um, and they actually landed back on the exact same idea of what I'd already, already done. Um, just really just, you know, try to turn it more into a product. Um, and that was really cool. Um, but, but it, what that it is, it is inherently vulnerable. Um, and you kind of, you just have to be, um, it's okay. Don't, you know, your value is not necessarily, uh, uh, the, the singular state of that idea. Ideas are dynamic, not static. Um, and so that lean into the, in the vulnerability of it and, and recognize, uh, everyone can learn from a shared idea. The shared idea will be better uh, when it is shared. I love that. Um, I have a question for you that is more for everyone listening who's maybe wanting to, um, they know, you know, at heart they're an entrepreneur, but maybe are still in the phase of like, I don't know exactly what I'm going to be working on. Um, what are maybe like a few pieces of advice that you have for people who are, um, kind of in that space of. Uh, I'm trying to leave my job, work on something. I don't know if it's for me. I don't know if I've landed up on on the thing I'm supposed to be working on. Yeah. Um, my, my biggest advice to people trying to start companies is like, make sure you're emotionally prepared. Um, a founder's game is an, is more than an emotional game than an idea game. Um, first time I tried to found something, I wasn't emotionally prepared to, you know, go to 50 VCs and, and hear uh, a whole lot of yeses or like I'm in and, uh, but then like get ghosted and stuff like that, um, because no VC wants to actually tell, you no. um, in addition to, uh, you know, you're going to get a lot of no's along the way. Um, many great ideas sound crazy to most people, including VCs. Um, and, uh, you have to be, be okay with yourself enough to know that those no's don't mean, um, your, like you have, don't, you don't have self-worth. Um, uh, you also have to be self-aware enough to like understand what they're actually saying, um, uh, which could be different from the words, try to understand like, um, what, what they're saying underneath that. Um, and so, so the first thing, yeah, yeah, I always just make sure that you're emotionally prepared to be that vulnerable. Um, and like, uh, uh, be prepared for a lot of rejection, uh, customers, investors, probably even recruits. Um, uh, you got to want to do something enough to be able to go, you know, get up each day past the rejection. Um, but in the context of the idea, you know, uh, it just, you know, you just got to be passionate about something, figure out what you're passionate about and like, and try to figure out, you know, is there something that I'm so passionate about that I can solve for? Um, you know, the, finding the idea, there are entire processes, scientific processes to do that. 
um, and use your research to do that. Um, uh, you can read books about that and know what to do. Um, what you can't really read books about is the is the mental prep. And so I think that's actually more important to think about before um, the idea. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I, I actually think that's the number one source of startup failure is um, it's, it's the founder's ability to mature as fast as the company needs them to. Um, because it is really hard. If, if you haven't watched someone go through that process firsthand, um, then you probably don't fully know the extent of the, not so much the peaks, the peaks are, pre- are predictably good, but the valleys can be really low and they can be really long. Um, so I think that's definitely a great piece of advice to for people to think about what that emotional journey is going to look like and also to to very consciously set up what their support network for that looks like as well. It's probably true of a lot of endeavors in life. Yep. So let's say I'm uh, listening right now and I am one of the many, many people who have suddenly been fighting to transfer what I did for a living to the internet. Um, I'll use the example of my mom. She's a yoga instructor and she recently uh, has gone fully digital with her classes. Uh, How do I get access to this amazing product that you just described through Money Mail? Sure. Uh, so just go to moneymail.ai um, and you can sign up to apply to get on the list to get your own uh, Money Mail red carpet experience. Um, you know, at Money Mail, we believe all of these people are uh, little internet celebrities and society hasn't really accepted that yet. Um, but at Money Mail, we, we see we see their, their celebrity um, and so, uh, we want to take them down, uh, the red carpet and, uh, help them onboard them to, to, uh, getting paid online, um, at moneymail.ai. Uh, and then for me, um, I'm LWSN Baker at Twitter on it on Twitter. And we'll be linking all of that in our description of you on our Twitter and our Instagram. Um, but this has been amazing. I'm so glad we did this. Yeah, this was awesome. Yeah. I, uh, uh, I I like helping a lot of people, um, and I feel like uh, I love going on podcasts because I think it's like it, it is also a shared idea space, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that those ideas are wealth in and of itself. Um, you know, in the same is true for money, uh, money mail. Like it's I'm trying to provide a service that's that's helpful for people who have a have a specific pain point. Like when we're doing user interviews, like <laughs> the desperation in their voice is like really evident. They're like just really annoyed mm-hmm. with how the systems work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that tells me there, the problem exists, um, you know, making sure we solve it for them is, is super important. Um, and, you know, got to get that money. Yeah. <laughs> are we the first podcast to feature money mail? You are. Oh, yes. <laughs> Startup from scratch exclusive, exclusive. debut. <laughs> money, 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 money. 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 <laughs>